You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, New York has fired their president, Steve Mills. Uh, Scott Perry will continue for the foreseeable future as GM, but. Owner Jim Dolan in New York, he wants to pursue Toronto's Masai Ujiri to ultimately overrun, to oversee uh, New York's basketball operation. The New York Knicks, more than anything, need a voice and a face for the franchise that New Yorkers will want to listen to to get you to not think about Dolan. Last time the New York Knicks won a championship, I was five years old. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 51. Leave it to the New York Knicks to find a way to rake my last damn nerve like only they can. I mean, you just get the Knicks can't catch a break to save their damn lives. Host James Dolan is being urged by an activist investor. That's what we call someone who is not necessarily doing a hostile takeover, but an activist investor, and he is encouraging okay. Dolan to sell minority shares of the Knicks to potentially boost the team's value. <laughs> James Dolan threatening to ban a fan at MSG for heckling him over the selling of the Knicks. You just saw the video there, Max. First, I want to say, I feel sorry for the PR person who had to write that nonsense. Could you imagine working for someone like Dolan who makes you write that utter nonsense? Imagine that for a second. Who the hell is Dolan to have that fan detained by security? By security? How dare he? I, that may be illegal. I don't know. Security detains a fan? It's considered rude to make your feelings known at a basketball game in New York City yeah, in the New NBA? York, you can't boo the owner of the team who has been a laughingstock, who's turned this team into a laughingstock. For decades, the nerve of this guy, do you know how much better off the NBA would be without James Dolan? And Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! Put a little baby black! Cabbage out of here! Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 83, where I'm joined with Gregory Yershotis. What's going on, brother? Oh, you know, just living the dream, Brandon. Happy to be here with you on a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday in the T-Dot. You're not going to ask me how I'm doing? How are you doing, sir? I am fantastic. I am peachy keen. Finally, someone asked me how I'm doing. I actually went to Detroit on the weekend to catch a Red Wings game. Nice city. Not as bad as people kind of paint to be. I think you have this like idea, like Detroit's like this decrepit shithole with a bunch of abandoned houses. It's actually kind of nice. You should watch the documentary Detropia. Nope. Detropia. Hard pass on that one, buddy. I got uh, I got my Netflix. I got my garbage TV I need to consume. No, man. It was, it, it, it was on Netflix. Netflix has amazing documentaries. It, it was on Netflix. It's amazing. You bleeding hard hippie. All right. I was going to say, man. Detroit's <laughs> for, it's all about the hipsters moving there, man. You can fit right in with that mustache. Yeah, but I think, again, all actuality, personality-wise, you are probably more of a hipster, Mr. Uh, communal social engagement through sport. Mr. I'm an OG. 
OG hipster. Alrighty. Um, Toronto Raptors looking pretty good right now. Like, you know, I'm just trying to gather just a casual 11 game winning streak. Uh, tied the record uh, by beating the Chicago Bulls on Sunday. We're Beautiful. going for the 12th record against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I believe that game is tomorrow. going down tomorrow night. Tip off at 7.30. The Raptors currently in second place. 36 and 14. So a pretty historic run. Pretty fun run for the team. Um, obviously, we're still pretty far behind the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Currently six and a half games behind the Kings of the Eastern Conference. Greg, what is the validity or the actual like legitimacy of his team as the Eastern Conference contender. Do you uh-huh. think we can take out the Milwaukee Bucks? Do you think we have a shot against them if we do potentially make yeah. it to the Eastern Conference? Look, finals? look, look. Although Giannis put the crown on the other night, this is actually like a month ago, when he beat LeBron, he was like signaling to the crowd to the crowd that he's putting on the crown. Look, he, they haven't been annoyed at anything yet. Like they are the favorite and they should be the favorite, but technically we're the kings of the East because we're the last champions, right? And you're the champ until you get knocked off. Um, That being said, um, although this run um, and the whole season has given me confidence in the team to say that, you know, uh, we're in any series, right? There's no team that we would play where I'd say, oh, we have no chance. I think, right, like anything can happen, uh, especially when you got a good group of players that plays hard and together with the talent that we have. Um, that being said, I still think that that Milwaukee is uh, will be favored, um, and they should be. Mind you, we have is it one or two more games left against them? Uh, I think it's two, one here and then one again there. And I think if we can take at least one of those two games, then you give yourself a bit of a psychological boost, right? Because as is, they're just destroying people in like across the league, right? Well, even looking at the second place seed, you know, it does, you know, considering how congested, you know, two through sixes in the Eastern Conference, you're talking not only the Raptors, but the Celtics, Heat, Pacers, 76ers, putting up uh, pretty good numbers this season. You know, being in second place, getting opportunity to play either, you know, the Brooklyn Nets or the Orlando Magic or even potentially the yeah. Chicago Bulls does, you know, help us out in the long run, especially, you oh, know, no, potentially the be able to... Yeah, like even a four or five game series potentially against, you know, Brooklyn or Orlando, you know, as opposed to having to play, you know, the 76ers, even the Pacers, uh, even the Pacers with Victor Oladipo back, you know, he might make another trade. You know, you're, you're talking about the good getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, like we're in, a, we're in a good spot when it comes to fresh legs come playoff time. Because I think this year, especially with how stacked the East is, that is going to be very important come playoffs. Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned this, this run. I mean, most of our competition on this run were sub-500 teams. Mind you, you could only play who's in front of you, and no one in the NBA is easy. Well, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Atlanta, okay, San Antonio, right. New York, yeah. Philadelphia? Uh, uh. Yeah, no, 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 most of them, uh, I said. Atlanta, there's, there's a few Minnesota, Yeah, you're right, you're right. I think only one of them, realistically, was a contender. Yeah. Two, we'll do uh, OKC, and we'll do the 76ers. Yeah. Um, but look, right, like... We're at a point now where you're actually starting. I mean, we were. Now there's more injuries, but where you're actually starting to see, I think, the way that this team was constructed, it looks more like the team we had two years ago with a very, very strong bench. Like we had the bench mob. It almost looks like they've recreated that with this group. Well, uh, speaking of bench, you know, obviously we have we're, we're stacked. We have a lot of depth on the bench, especially yeah. the emergence of guys like Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher Love, this season. Yep. Um, one guy who is obviously not going to be part of the bench mob or the starting team is Norman Powell, who has a broken finger, who is out indefinitely. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg, what is your sort of um, 
impression of his role prior to the injury? Do you see him returning as the same player? And who do what, who needs to step up to facilitate that role? Or should we realistically be looking at outside options when it comes to sort of remedying this injury? Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I... I don't think that we need a stopgap even temporarily because we already have that. Like they'll just kind of recycle things a bit, change some things around. Um, but just going back to your first question, like I think this version that we've seen of Norman Powell is Norman Powell. I think that he's finally reached. Uh, I wouldn't even say his ceiling, but he seems to be in. Uh, a, a good place as a player and I don't see it as fluky so I think this is really who he is and you have to ask yourself then is this a player that you want to be trading because you know dude is a lockdown defender right like he's a 40% three-point shooter and he can create his own shot which is something right oh and he's an absolute nightmare in transition right but he could also cre- create his own shot because he jumps so high when he shoots he can get it off um, which is, I think, why you've seen Nurse go to him in some late clock scenarios. Look, I mean, it's always a. All these players are tradable. It's just a matter of what are you going to get back and is it worth it? I think right now you have to be careful trading a guy like Powell just because, like I said, he he's in such a good place, right? So you're you're taking a risk that you're trading a guy, you, maybe you don't get back what you're expecting, and then he goes and flourishes somewhere else. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, my only concern, with, I guess, with Norman Powell would be, you know, I think he's a lot of he's a big confident sort of momentum guy. Yep. Um, you know, coming back from injury, getting his legs back. You know, realistically, I don't know if he's going to be the same guy. You know, I'm not, that's my concern. I mean, but it is a finger injury, right? So he's still going to be training. And look, I agree with you. There'll, there'll be some adjustment period, but I, I feel pretty strongly that. The, the, the player that will come back is going to be the player that left because he seems to have a, a, a further sense of security now in his role on the team than he ever has. So the Ringer threw out a couple hypothetical trade scenarios. I put out a really interesting article today. Uh, it's basically titled Two Trades for Every Team Before the Deadline. And I want oh, to throw yeah. you the two hypothetical trades they threw to the Raptors because the second one obviously I think makes sense. This one though I think is a little bit of an overpay. So they're talking about bringing a guy like Rob Covington and Shabazz Napier from Minnesota. The offer they're offering, the offer they're projecting would be the Raptors first this year. OG Ananobi, Stan, ah! Stan Johnson, and Pat McCaw, which what? seems like a very big overpay for a first and OG for Pat Covington. Yo, OG's better than Covington, man. <laughs> like, why, wait, Covington probably makes more money, right? Uh, probably averages a similar amount of points and has way less upside in the future. Oh, it's fucking insane. Uh, the other but, one made sense, sorry, so. but if, if I could say what, you, what you're describing, if you look at these online trade scenarios that a lot of like pseudo-sport journalists throw out there with the Raptors, it's always like misidentifying or, okay. or undervaluing our talent, Pat McCall, OG. Pat McCall and Raptors second for Markeith Morris on the Pistons. I'd do that. Uh, if you told me Marcus Morris on the Knicks, I would do that. Markeith Morris isn't very good. Alrighty, so the last uh, <laughs> last piece of uh, of, of Raptors uh, news we kind of have to go over. Adrian Morjanowski dropped a bomb on us uh, today at about bomb? noon. Apparently, Knicks owner Jim Dolan is targeting Toronto President Masai Ujiri to ultimately oversee New York operations. League sources tell ESPN Masai is currently under contract through 2021 in Toronto. So not much news. That's kind of been sort of speculating. It's been discussed for quite some time. But, but now they 
they fired Steve Mills. Well, Steve Mills is fired. We I forgot to get to that. So Steve Mills is fired. It kind of made sense. Didn't really turn, turn the needle. I think the big thing was you know his inability to sort of bring in any sort of marquee free agent, it's, with the exception of uh, Mr. Marcus Morris. Um, but, but Brandon, it's one. So not even a week before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Isn't that not smart? Like, isn't that who you need? Like, you know, it, it, like isn't that like his most important time of the year? Well, okay, I, I'll I'll say this. Masai has got his cookie. Masai took probably one of the most um, eh, undervalued. I would say undervalued, but one of the um, least prestigious, least prestigious organization, say the Toronto Raptors. Um, You know, obviously they're marred in sort of mediocrity. Yeah, for years, you know, barely you've gone the playoffs, eliminated by wilderness. Yeah, and and, you know, he took a team that many people doubted, brought them the promise land, won them a championship. Uh, Masai's got his cookie. He's got every, like, he he came in, he promised a championship, he got us a championship. What is Masai looking for and what does Masai owe us? I think for Masai, the bigger question got asked in the situation is what is he looking for when it comes to his career development? What does he want? You know what I mean? And for him, Masai seems to the kind of guy that loves the idea of a very sort of complex challenge that people say he can't sort of deal with. And I think the New York Knicks is a definition of the type of challenge. So again, like people say, why would Masai want to leave Toronto? Why would he want to stay in Toronto is the bigger question. Um, okay. So that you're correct. I think in uh, looking or looking at Masai and saying, this is a guy who would, wouldn't be afraid to take on a challenging role like that. Uh, especially because like at this point they've been bad for so long, like all you can do is good. You would think that being said, the issue with the Knicks, like that comes with extra baggage, right? And, you know, there's a lot of people very close to that situation that are saying that, you know, you can't do that job with the current ownership. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about like, oh, he's got his cookie, like he, you know, has done well here. Um, I'll say two things to that. First, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, it's in sports, it's in maybe business, right? That people think that they can replicate success. Uh, in other places based on what they've done somewhere else, right? And it doesn't always work out that way just because you've been, right? Like, like there were certain things that always have to go along with that. Um, and part of that, and this is to my second point, is that includes like a good relationship with ownership. The New York faithful in, okay, and I've been to Madison Square Garden. It is a beautiful arena to watch basketball, right? The New York faithful, the Knicks fans the other day were chanting, Right for new ownership, they were they were protesting for new ownership, and the reason is because they know that no matter who they bring in, right, whether it's Masai, you know, whether it's fucking Jerry West, whatever, right, it, it, they they're gonna have to deal with James fucking Dolan. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I that would be the main reason why he probably shouldn't go. Is I don't really, that, that's I don't envision saying. a situation where Dolan really would cede control to anyone else other than himself, right. And 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 look like like he needs like a crotchety angry old fuck like Jerry West to come in and just get like like just just give him a fucking verbal lashing explain what he's <laughs> done to this organization all the mistakes he's made Put him what in needs place. to be done to remedy the situation a very authoritative figure like that you know yeah 
look, and you know, but but Masai, he could take the job under under those circumstances. Like, look, I'll do it, but these are my conditions. I could see him doing, and yeah, like there's a huge draw for Masai because it's international. It's a, it's a legacy builder. He would try it's to a bring humongous legacy he, builder, if, taking the New York Knicks one out of the of, most the, yeah. in basketball mecca, one of the most disrespected underdeveloped organizations yeah, probably within a lifetime. Yeah. yeah, you know, it him, would be legendary. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Now, now, and it will also for him, it would grow his Giants of Africa stuff. He and I, honestly. Like he could try to bring Giannis there. Well, he could emulate all the sort of uh, international growth uh, advocacy he's been sort of emulating yeah. in Toronto. He can but see do the same there. thing in New York as well. And you're also talking about someone where he's still sort of ingrained in the nature of the game. It's not t- you're talking about like you know Phil Jackson getting off like a you know a, a, a fucking beanbag chair after smoking you know a, a pipe all day and and trying to you know come in and, and change the Knicks. No, you're talking about someone who's actually engaged with the current iteration of the game now, who understands even flow, contracts, player value, and won't put his own ego into the equation. Imagine the pipe that Phil Jackson must smoke weed out of. I'm just convinced he smokes like the shittiest weed imaginable. I know. Like he's got a guy he, who he's got a guy man. that like homegrown. Yeah, that's not, that's exactly what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, the shittiest yeah, weed imaginable. <laughs> uh, all right, going to the second quarter. The bike, one thing I want to bring up uh, first in the second quarter is the Andre Iguodala fiasco that is uh, yeah. brewing in Memphis. Uh Couple's teammates call him out, chiefly Dylan Brooks. Uh, I'll read a quote by him. First time I saw uh, seen him was on TV talking about us. It doesn't even matter. Andre Iguodal's a great player. I feel like he's doing the right thing for his career, but we really don't care. It's not a distraction at all. I laugh at that type of stuff. A guy that's on our team doesn't want to be in our team. I can't wait till we find a way to trade him so we can play him and show him what. Uh, what really Memphis is about. I 100% agree with him. I think it's an absolute joke that Andre Iguodala, at this point in his career, thinks he has enough um, credibility to be able to sit out and not play for a team that is currently fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. Right now. Like yeah. it's so it's it's ridiculous. Like what has Andre Iguodala actually done within the last couple seasons to justify his ability to sit down sit down an entire season? Well, like like you, well, cha- you cha- make the he's oh, been like, like he's injured, but you're also talking about a guy who's what in his uh, moonlight of his career, 14, late late thirties. You know what I mean? Yeah. A guy that realistically got his his cookies because he was playing guys like Steph, Draymond, Kevin Durant, yeah. super team yeah. as well. I just don't feel like based on what he's accomplished on an individual level within the last few seasons he has merited the ability to set out an entire season especially in a situation where his team that he's currently on is in a playoff is, is in the playoff picture and you're also talking about a guy not like you could use him but also the veteran presence the ability that he could, he could provide no, to the I guys mean, on his yeah. team like it's it's such a fucking joke in my opinion and the fact like if I if I was looking at potential trade scenarios and thinking about bringing a guy like Andre Iguodala into my team that is a fucking question mark right there his sort of like egoness and his inability to sort of be selfless and just be part of a team like well, it's just look, bullshit. I, I don't I, know if he's a, if he has a big ego or if he's difficult to play with. You don't that you you know you don't really hear that from Iguodala, but I agree with you that you know the no budging like no I'm sitting out. Uh, look, I, they're I, twenty five and twenty five. Yeah, Memphis no, is seven really and three in their him. last ten. They are a playoff team right now. But you know, he doesn't even have to be playing games to still be in communication with the younger guys on the team. And like, you know what? Like, look, yeah, I do want to trade to a contender. I'm getting older. Like, okay, but I'm still going to show up for the first half of the year, uh, and I'm going to work with the young guys. I'm going to play limited minutes because it's all I can give you. I can't give you thirty minutes a night, right? Uh, but that's not really what he's done, right? He's he's just kind of like, you know, left. And has no connection to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, like uh, apparently 
Memphis isn't going to buy him out. And and he should, okay, if he doesn't want to play, then give up some of your money. Like, what are you getting paid for? I don't understand. You're on contract. You play in, in a league where you know you can get traded. Well, I think it's more vindication, the fact that no one in, at this point in the season, you know, we're 40-plus games, almost 50 games in the season, and no one has made an attempt, really, to trade for him. Well, it's more I indication think, no, of teams have, but it's that they're valuing him. Like I think Memphis is trying to get again, a lot out of again, it. Again, again, then. If they can't facilitate a trade for him, it's more of indication. I come to Jesus moment for Andre Goodall to realize I'm not, you know. I'm not wanted that much. Yeah. I'm like, not, I'm a yeah. ninth, tenth guy, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't, I just. Look, there are some teams out there that, that could, could, could use him. Let's put it that way. Like, the Rockets, I think, could really use him. Both the LA teams seem to really want him. I think primarily so that the other one doesn't get him, but. <laughs> I uh, even you know the Raptors I could see maybe poking around a bit just for his veteran leave. but again like what are you gonna give right draft picks are so important these definitely days. not the first he makes a lot of money too alrighty so uh, going down the list we got obviously had the announcement of the NBA All Stars and reserves two Toronto Raptors were announced starter Pascal Siakam and off the bench yeah, is yeah, Kyle yeah, Lowry yeah, yeah. Um, just going down the list quickly Walker Trey Young Giannis Pascal Siakam Joel Embiid starters in the East stars in the West are Harden Doncic James Leonard Davis and the reserves in the East are Lowry Simmons Butler Middleton Bam Adebayo Tatum and Demas Bonus and in the West is Chris Paul Westbrook Lillard Donovan Mitchell Ingram Jochik and Rudy Gobert yep. um, no, I, I, I agree with the majority of the selections for the starters with the obvious uh, I don't think Trey Young should be a starter over Kyle Lowry considering you know where that team stands and the uh, the the pecking order in the Eastern Conference. Do you think but he should be an All Star? I think he should be an All Star. But let's get to the bigger question at hand because I know sure. you want to talk about this for a while. Um, the omission of certain guys in the All Star game, uh, chiefly a guy that again who was snubbed, uh, Bradley Beal. Obviously, Devin Booker is a name that comes to mind as well. Other guys, you know, Zach Levine's putting up a pretty good season. Brogdon's looking fantastic. Jalen Brown, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, even and Jay Morant, but uh, even Paul George. But I guess Bradley Beal is the one guy that really sort of uh, pissed you off about he was sort of omitted from the All Star game this season. And so, Greg, uh, explain Gosh. to me, tell me why Bradley Beal should be an all-star over, let's say, oh, let's look at the East, over You'd, a guy like Jason Tatum or Chris Middleton. Well, okay, so this is the problem, right? Like, I actually really like Bradley Beal as a player. Um, but it's the, you know, and I there, for anybody that's interested, there's a really good, like, little debate that went on with, with the guys on TNT between Kenny and Charles and Shaq, right? So Shaq is basically saying Lowry shouldn't be an all-star. He's saying Lowry shouldn't have been an all-star. His numbers aren't good enough. Bradley Beal should be an all-star. And the other two were saying, well, what are we basing, you know, being an all-star on? Because the coaches have voted and the coaches value winning, right? Um, so it's not just the stats, right? That being said, uh, I don't know about Boston getting two all-stars that, uh, I mean, what play? I mean, they're behind us in the standings now. Um, Not by much, though. Yeah, but I mean, the only reason I would justify it even for our team is because we just came off a championship. I know that shouldn't technically matter, but it does. Um, Milwaukee obviously gets two, right? Like, like you can't be that far ahead of everyone in the East and not get two. Uh, I don't know if Jason... I mean, Jason Tatum's got decent numbers and they're winning, but I don't know if if giving them two All-Stars was the right move 
um, versus putting a guy like Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal well, plays the same position as Tatum, and he's better. The bigger question is, uh, do players merit all-star recognition based on the success of their organization, or should this be an overall appreciation of every player in the league, regardless of record? No, I well, like we're not I, we're not talking about the MVP award. You know, I we're talking a, about the yeah. All-Star game. This no. isn't about individual team performance; it's about individual performance. And okay. for me, is why I could sort of rationalize a Trey Young starting over Kyle Lowry because we can talk about Trey Young ad nauseum about his defensive issues, but when it comes to a microwave score, a guy who is at exciting and a guy that people want to see. Well, he's a fan vote, right? Well, that's what it is, okay, yeah, though, no, no, right? no, 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 hold on. But that's different than, than the coaches voting. Um, I would say that it's a balance, right? I beca- Hold on, because at the same time, like, just because someone has good stats, like, what's the point of basketball? It's a score to win, right? So, like, if you can't win games, you're not a better player than someone else who, with the same roster, wins more games, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of what Kyle Lowry does just simply doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He's a similar player to Chris Paul in that sense, where you're getting the intangibles, you're getting the leadership and the decision making, and he's taking charges and he's getting all these deflections and he right making timely plays. Sat, right? These are things that don't show up in stats, but they allow your team to win more. Mm-hmm. Right? So again, I think it's a balance, um, but you. I, I really have a problem with you know a player that's lighting it up uh, has good numbers on a bad team because he gets all the shots right but really like he's not actually like winning well, games it does seem that's like the point is you're a good player if you win games right you're not so a, play, a good player because you score so the three main guys that I mentioned that were snubs Zach Levine Devin Booker and Bradley Beal sort of. All Zach Levine and Devin Booker, I say no. Bradley Beal, I would look at a little more closely because I think that he has kept his team somewhat afloat, and they're a particular situation, right? And he's played like like if you can be averaging like ridiculous numbers on a bad team, that makes you eligible. There's which a is four, why Trey Young. There's would a be three eligible. game difference between the Atlanta Hawks and the Washington Wizards right now. There's, yeah, there's not much enough. of a variance between them. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I do agree. Like Bradley Beal is an All Star. It's kind of a joke that he got stumped. Like he at least should have gotten the All Star nod, concerning what happened last year. All right, uh, going to the last topic of the second quarter. Uh, Greg, what are your early impressions of Zion Williamson? He's oh. bringing together 19.5 points per game, 8.2 rebounds as well. Put up 21 against the Houston Rockets. Had a very stellar 24 six and three game against the Memphis Grizzlies in 29 minutes. Looks like the real deal so far. Uh, what's your thoughts on his early season performance? Or I guess his first few games he's played since his return from injury. Yeah, uh, I watched his um, his first game, right? And, and I'm kind of watching, and, you know, he looked a little out of it. And, and then all of a sudden, that eruption in the fourth quarter, right? But it wasn't even his shots that impressed me. It's how quick he gets to the ball. And, like, you know, I saw that in his college games. But when you can do that against NBA athletes, like there was a a, a play where Pirtle blocked his shot and like he so quickly get right like his bounce back is so fast for such a strong guy. Um look, I tell you, he's like a a mix between like LeBron and Shaq, you know, but a little shorter uh in terms of his his power, right? Uh, he's unlike any athlete I've ever seen in in the NBA. His body type doesn't fit uh, even with the new NBA kind of length, right? Um, But the Pelicans are playing him as a small ball center, and I really like that team. I think they're a fun team. I think the face of the league is going to be Zion and Luka. 
Um, but I, I also like Zion as a person. I think he's a good, humble kid. I, he doesn't seem to believe his own hype, right? Uh, he doesn't see he he just looks like a down to earth dude, which I appreciate. Absolutely. I I don't think uh, this draft class got a lot of love, but I think the f- top two guys, especially oh, yeah. him and Jay Moran, John Moran, you know, yeah. you're talking about two guys who could potentially be the transcendent face of the game in the future. Like John Moran has looked absolutely incredible, and it's leading to winning. Right, which is like the most important thing is that it's not just like like in Trey Young's case where like, yeah, he's had these really cool plays, but his team is down by twenty, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Like John Morant's doing it and they're winning. But just to get back to Zion, like, so uh, just just quickly yeah, with no, that, yeah. just with winning, especially with Memphis, it's kind of like one thing I was talking to Grafton about and why, you know, I I truly value a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. over DeAndre Aiden is because he's synonymous of winning. He's very yeah. flexible. He's very moldy. You can kind of put him in majority of situations on the court. You can play him forty minutes in majority of situations. Well, you don't have and, to take him off the court. And while we're on this, uh, and just last night I w- I watched some Memphis, Jonas Valanciunas. Okay, we we knew that this guy had something. Well, it's a perfect front court it's pairing with him. It's a good right? fit, yeah. like and and it's at a time in JV's career where like, you know, with the Raptors, he was always the younger guy on uh, the timeline of Lowry and DeRozan, right? Now, like, and that's why he actually fit well with the Siakam and OG timeline. But because of the Kawhi thing, right? We got Marcus Sullen to make an immediate impact, but he really fits in with like. The whole grit and grind mentality of Memphis, and like, you know, he's playing like one of the best big men in the league, really. So I'm not, I'm actually quite happy, right? Sometimes bad things happen to you, and you know, you're able to salvage something even better out of an unfortunate situation, and that's what JV's done. So it's nice to see, and they value him, man. Those broadcasters, they love JV. Chris Vernon, Verno, alrighty, and we're gonna jump into the third quarter. This one's gonna be very simple. The NBA trade deadline is happening very oh, soon. Oh baby, down. Uh, Christian Graffin is. Is our, uh, I guess, the go-to guy when it comes to speculation trade options. But he unfortunately is not here. But we're going to work with it through Greg. Uh, Greg, very, very simple. I'm going to drop a couple names of guys that I think might be on the move. You tell me if they're going to get traded, if they're not going to get traded. And if they are going to get flipped, to what what team? The name that comes up first is Kevin Love and his $28.9 million contract. The San Antonio Spurs. How does that trade happen? Think about the contracts that are going to have to move. LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan. What is a possible trade scenario? I think that... Let's fire up the old trade machine. I think that you could... Well, yeah. It, it Are the Spurs like... Do they have any more cap room? Could they go into the luxury tax with him? I think that they're that's, over the tax line by... Over the luxury tax line by $5 million. They have negative 17 cap room. So you, what you're saying is... Like you, they couldn't trade him unless they they got back exactly what what went out. Correct. Because I was th- like that team needs to make a move, man. If they want to, if they want to, because the Portland's rolling now. The other week you said Portland was going to make miss the playoffs. Looks like the Spurs are going to miss the playoffs. Um, another team is Portland, right? You you would flip Whiteside. All right, this trade works. Kevin Love to San Antonio Spurs for Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, and throw some draft picks. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, something like <laughs> no, but something like that. And then you could play Aldridge and Love together, or even like Trey Lyles was who I was thinking, or Pirtle, or a Gordon Hayward flip in Boston. Uh, for who? Kevin Love. Ah, uh, they're not going to trade Hayward. All right, moving down the list, we got another name in mind. Let's talk about D'Angelo Russell. Uh, D'Angelo Russell currently just signed that massive contract with the Golden State Warriors. D'Angelo Russell, where do you think he's going to go? Well, Minnesota wants him, right? Minnesota wants him because Carl Anthony Towns wants him. Uh, I don't know if he'll go anywhere, though, because, I mean, 
what what would would uh, the Wolves have to give up to get him? Are they going to trade Andrew Wiggins to get him? That might be an option. You could talk but about. Do, and- do do they want Andrew Wiggins? Right. Do they want that burdensome contract? Well, you could do maybe like Gorgie Dang is at 16.2. D'Angelo Russell is at 27.2. You package Gorgie Dang's contract at 16 and maybe throw in Rob Cummington. That works, but I don't know if that really moves the needle, right? Yeah, um, but wouldn't that be interesting, eh? Andrew Wiggins on the Warriors? I And, you know, I'm even thinking... How you know could the Raptors swing a move to get Wiggins? Because we just need a player like that. We don't need like a superstar to to control everything. We just need a guy we, to we hit need, late game shots. Who, who gets paid like a superstar? But that's the problem. That and it's his contract, and that's why him and Love are right now tough to move. Right? Like I was listening to my source Brian Windhorse, who is the most serious reporter <laughs> in the league, and right he was saying he's calling around talking to execs, and Cleveland wants multiple. First or at least a first round pick, multiple you know first round picks for love. People are like, no, 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 you got to attach a pick to us. We're taking them off your hands for you, right? So there's there there's some um, there's a, a misconception or a difference between how teams are viewing these guys and how the 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 teams that have them actually view them. Alrighty, moving down the list, we got Derek motherfucking Rose, the biggest snub of the NBA All Star Game. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Derrick Rose, I love probably on the move though. Like uh, realistically, putting together a very stellar season: eighteen point five points per game, uh, six assists, and only twenty six point four minutes per game coming off the bench. So we're talking about mm-hmm. a guy that can really fill it up, fill it up off the bench offensively. Um, one trade they they proposed on the Ringer was uh, Derrick Rose to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma and Avery Bradley for salary purpose. Kuzma coming off. See, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know about that trade. Like if you're the Lakers, are you like Kuzma's like a good young asset that they have? Is Derrick Rose the best you could do with that? And and by doing that trade, like like you're giving up uh, one of your at least like he's not an amazing three point shooter, but he's someone that can space the floor. And now you've given that up. We also talk about a guy like uh, Darren Collison, you know, who many people remember last year retired, become a Jehovah's Witness. He's back, but he only wants to play for an LA team. So <laughs> you know, you're talking about a guy where you don't really have to offload anyone on your roster to bring in a sort of really great backup point guard, a guy who can facilitate the offense off the bench. Um, so you know, if he does elect to go to the Clippers or the Lakers, you're talking about a team that does still need some support in the backcourt off the bench. So I, I do see Rose going to the loser of the. Collison sweepstakes. Ah, okay. No, that's a good. Uh, that's actually uh, a good way to put it there. All right, Marcus Morris is a guy that you have really been hyped about this season, putting together a very stellar season, being the number one offensive option for the New York Knicks. I think a lot of speculation is that the Knicks do want to keep Marcus Morris. He <laughs> loves being there. Um, one of the trades that the Ringer did suggest was trading Marcus Morris to the Clippers for a package that includes a contract to Maurice Harkless, former first-round pick Jerome Robinson, and the Clippers' first-round pick this season. What are other potential markets that he could go to and you see as a viable trade. Yeah, the LA teams, right, have been rumored to be interested in him. I think he... I I used to think that he would fit in our culture. Um, you know, the other view of him is that he could be a culture killer, per se, but I, I think he would fit here on, on the Raptors. The issue is you're taking, you're absorbing that money Right, and what are we willing to give up? Right, because it's only a one-year thing. Right, he's he's on a one-year contract for like twelve million dollars or something like that. Well, let's find out right now. I think it. I know it's. I think it's one year. Maybe it's two. 
Let me fire this fucker up. Give me one second here. So Marcus Morris is right here on a one-year $50 million contract. We'll throw him out there. $15 million. The inclusion of, let's say, do you want to do Norman Powell? See, but I wouldn't make like I wouldn't make that trade, right? Like the only thing, like uh, I wouldn't, I will, I wouldn't give up anything impactful for him. It would be like because yeah, we have to add to what we have. We don't want to have to give up much. Realistically, there's no possible way that we could facilitate this trade unless we include the contracts of either Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, or Marcus Gasol. Yeah, and 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 I just don't know if that's worth it to get him right. Like I'd be willing to give up like. Chris Boucher in like a second round pick, but that's not going to make the salaries match. Yeah, Chris Boucher is earning one point five, and Mr. Morris is earning fifteen. So yeah, that will never work. But right. so so uh, there, but but he's a player to watch for because again, you're looking at a guy that that can hit big shots and that can you know is a strong uh, front court defender, right? Alrighty, last name in the uh, mix is Robert Covington, who currently is playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. Robert Covington uh, has four years left of his contract, about 11.3 per season, so a pretty digestible contract for a very sought-after position, a you know wing defender, mm-hmm. uh, three and D. Uh, what potential tr- places do you think Robert Covington Houston. can go to? Well, one trade scenario they're throwing in here is Robert Covington to the Bucks for a package including Ursan Ilyasova, DJ Wilson, and the Pacers' first-round pick. Yeah, I could I could see the Bucks uh, wanting to shore shore up that position a little bit. Um, the uh, the Rockets are right now rumored to be looking for a wing defender and a big man, and they're shopping Capella. I'm wondering, would you trade? Would you trade uh, Serge Ibaka for Clint Capella? Serge Ibaka and like a young, a younger player that a young wing player that we have. Yeah, I would. I think wouldn't trade OG Ananobi, but well, it, it would have to be because Ibaka, the problem is Ibaka makes so much more money. Well, it'd be Serge, and it would have to be like McCaw, and it would have to be. Ronde Hollis Jefferson or someone. I'm not yeah, exactly sure yeah. what the package would be. But yeah, I think Clint Capella, you know, especially with the age of a lot of our core of our core group, you yeah, know, especially with the uh how you know, I think he's making thirty point five million dollars off the first it's more. I think it's cheap, fourteen of the first year of but his contract yeah, and grows, then eighteen. It but it's yeah, still yeah. it's a pretty decent contract, you know, for a guy that you know can bring you a double double block shots every single night. Yeah, so like, yeah, I would consider doing it. But but the bigger question is would, would Houston make that trade? Absolutely not. I don't understand how Serge Ibaka really improves the the direction well, of Space the floor unless they can bring in what they're looking for, which is a three and D defender. Yeah, kind of yeah they want Covington. Both back. So it would have to be an OG and an OB and no way, such a back a trade. There's no way I'm giving up OG. Like all these trades that people go and the Raptors will want to get Demar Derozan, so they'll trade OG and an OB and this and that for Derozan. I'm like, are you nuts? Like people right. undervalue him. Uh, all right, thank you so much for listening. Back next week, Pizza Toronto. One point two seconds.